We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mile High Huddle Podcast with your football priests, Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Remember, Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being. So welcome in, everybody. It is the Mile High Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me is my fellow football priest, my partner in crime, as it were. You know him, you love him, Zach Kelberman. Zach, I don't think you or I, and probably not too many Broncos fans, were all that surprised by what I'm about to say, but Kareem Jackson, one game back from his two-game suspension, was suspended again today for a helmet-to-helmet hit on Vikings quarterback Joshua Dobbs. The very play, in fact, that was that turnover on Minnesota's opening possession your gut reaction and the implications for the Broncos moving forward because Kareem's not going to get this one reduced. Before we went live, I saw uh, Scott actually tweeted something that I feel the same way about. You know, he said it was easy to predict that Kareem would be suspended again. And his next prediction was that he's not going to get the appeal in his favor this time. I, I tend to uh, believe that because you got away with it for the most part. And then you were disciplined and you come back and you get suspended again for the same flagrant foul. My issue with it is it seems like, and you know, Simmons talked about this openly on Twitter, that the NFL has an agenda and they target certain players. And Simmons shared a clip of the same exact hit that he made that he wasn't disciplined for. And what bothers me even more is that Kareem wasn't called for an infraction during the game. So in real time, the officials deemed it a legal hit. And then after the fact, because of Kareem Jackson's reputation, because of his past infractions, he's again being made an example out of. That's the issue that I have with it, Chad. Yeah, uh, Justin Simmons, what he actually said today too on Twitter is, quote, and he has a point here, I think, quote, this is unbelievable. Dobbs on this play was playing running back. The tight end was under center, snapped the ball, and tossed it back to Dobbs, who is not defenseless. On a third and one, when you're fighting for every yard, how are we supposed to stop a runner from falling forward? Close quote. Patrick Sertan said, quote, this league is something else, LMAO. How are you supposed to play ball nowadays? Close quote. So they have a point, and it's really ironic, too, that it's not only Zach his first game back, Kareem, but as Scott mentions here in our chat, his first tackle back, boom. Uh, he wasn't penalized in-game. Crucial, I think, to this having 
some, uh, you know, whether it holds water or not, is the fact that no one was penalized in this game. And I think they're being a little aggro. It's kind of reminiscent to me, Zach, of the NFL making the Broncos the whipping boy during the whole yep. pandemic mask gate thing with Drew Locke and the quarterbacks and really um, humiliating the Broncos by strong-arming them to play a game against Sean Payton, as it happens, and the New Orleans Saints uh, when they were bending over backwards to make different accommodations for similarly, uh, I'll put it this way, uh, challenged teams that, you know, during that, that pandemic season. And now this time around, Zach, Kareem Jackson's the whipping boy. They've decided to make Kareem Jackson a public enemy number one and uh, let's let's set an, use him to set an example. And what's frustrating about it is he's not a dirty player. He's a hard, he plays hard. He's very physical. He's a big hitter. But let's not, Zach, pretend this is uh, Vontez Burfecht, for crying out loud. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like if he would have played 20, 25 years ago in his prime, he would have been celebrated. If you go back and watched all those old jacked up clips from the old ESPN show, you would see hits that are 10 times harder and 10 times more illegal than what Kareem Jackson does. And you guys know how I feel about him. I don't like how he is in coverage, but that's a whole other animal. What he did yesterday was play the game of football. And I happen to agree with you, Chad. If he had a Kansas City logo on his helmet, I don't think he'd be suspended uh, twice in one season. I, I feel like it's the Broncos. It's that bias against them to an extent and they're making an example out of Kareem Jackson all right guys lots to get to we're going to get to your super chats here very very shortly but first guys we got to remind you that you got to make Little Caesars which is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL part of your game day pizza is in fact a staple for the Jensen family on game days and often many times during the week for family dinner that is no lie Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday, and get ready for some football and fun. You choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, Zach, you win. Sounds very, very good right now. And I think, in fact, Chad, for the Broncos next game against the Cleveland Browns, I'm going to order a nice big pizza, cheese pizza with some crazy bread. And uh, hopefully the Broncos can push their winning streak even further. And speaking of winning, guys, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Uh, let's get into the chat and see what's on everybody's mind here. Some of your takes on the happenings 
Appreciate you. It's the Papa Bear checking in. David McElrath, good to see you, brother. It says, good evening. Really, Kareem Jackson, shake my head. 11 and 6, Buckham times 3 with a B. That's B. MHH for life, Denver Bronx for life. Thank you, David. So good to see you tonight, brother. Appreciate your support. Week in, week out, day in, day out, my friend. And Chet, thank you, David. Chet, we didn't really answer how the Broncos, and I guess it's both our, you know, my fault, you asked me, but we didn't really answer how the Broncos are going to weather mm -hmm. that storm without Kareem Jackson, if indeed his suspension is upheld. And right. all I'll say is get healthy soon, PJ Locke, because if the Broncos have to rely on DTY or JL Skinner, who's first getting his feet wet with real live game action, they're going to have a problem in that back end. Say what you want about Kareem, but he's a smart player who knows where he needs to be for the most part. Um, and uh, the defense is... He's an invaluable addition to that defense. So hopefully PJ can get on the field this week. Yes, because Delarian Turner yell, literally, you want to talk about gray hair sprouting out of my chin on top of my head, watching that dude uh, in the Broncos secondary. That's what it does to me. So yeah. PJ Locke, heal up quick, bro. That ankle, let's go. Uh, Sam Bam, so good to see you, brother. Hope you're doing well. Thank you. Thank you. He says, happy victory Monday. Still can't believe the Broncos pulled out that win last night. No doubt, Sean Payton has brought a toughness and grittiness the Broncos have not had since Super Bowl 50. 11-6 and six is still attainable. Go Broncos. It is. It's possible. But, Zach, it's not an uh, easy road ahead. I mean, no. as evidenced by this week coming up, you know, uh, Cleveland Browns, you still got to face the Texans. You still got to face the Lions. You know, if you could get to the Chargers sooner than later, that would be great if you could get to the Raiders. But two of those games are the last two of the season. So it's uh, it's really going to take a – I mean, what was the Tebow run? I want to say it was a six- or seven-game winning streak. I think it was six games. He won seven games that one year, but it was – uh, the streak itself was interrupted. He won his first game on the road in Miami, and then he came home and got obliterated. Then they went on the actual streak streak, winning six. Peyton Manning won 11 the very uh, next season. Uh, it, they need, it needs to be basically, Zach, something approximating what Peyton did to get to that 11 and 6, dang close anyway. It's not impossible, but, you know, I think you phrased it correctly a long road ahead. And, you know, the Broncos' next five games are perilous. What's really perilous, they have a three-game consecutive road trip. I'm pretty sure Houston, Detroit, and uh, Los Angeles before they come home to face the Patriots. You're going to have to go two and one in those, in those, that tough stretch after Cleveland, by the way, to have a chance. 10 and seven would probably get you in, but look at the Broncos margin for error, Chad. They have, you know, four or five, I would say tough games and only two games to spare. So it's not impossible, but I'll say again, I don't think it's very probable either. Just being realistic. So here is, well, I'll grab Troy and then I'll, I'll, say what i was going to say the fawn donkey himself good to see you brother thank you he says hey guys assuming pj lock is back next week the timing isn't terrible kj back for the one game we needed how long can we say our play is not sustainable before we have it proved uh it is have a great show that's a really good uh question sean payton uh kind of rebutted the notion that it's not sustainable he said i've been on teams where we finished with 30 in the 30s meaning the total number of takeaways that season so, you know, when you're in the zone and you're, you're riding that momentum, Zach, and you're executing and you're playing well and everybody's believing and that confidence continues to swell, uh, it's that itself is what's hard to sustain, right? That momentum is what's hard to sustain. And it is so far a little bit of a statistical outlier as evidenced by 
you know, the historical nature of 12 takeaways in whatever it is, three games uh, actually. But what's your answer? How long can we say our play is not sustainable before it's proved that it is? Well, number one, if if KJ's ban is upheld for four games, you're talking about missing opponents that are all good at running the football, starting with Cleveland on Sunday with Kareem Hunt. I mean, uh, Houston has Devin Singletary, not to mention CJ Stroud. Detroit has Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. Uh, the Chargers have Austin Eckler. So that's going to hurt the Broncos defense. And that's why they need PJ Locke, who's a little better of a tackler than DTY uh, in the hole near the line of scrimmage. It's sustainable on defense. I agree with what Sean Payton said there, but his context and his answer was a lot different, Chad. And I wrote about that today when he was asked about the offense and how much they struggled in the red zone, going one for five against the Vikings last night on third down. They were two for 12, I believe. That is not sustainable. And he talked about how it has to get cleaned up because you're going to face better competition and more crucial games, crucial spots as the season uh, gets older now. And you can't turn the other team over multiple times and settle for field goals. And he knows that, and he has to be part of the reason why it's cleaned up. Especially against a slate of opponents that looks like this. All right, you've got the 7-3 and three Browns coming up next. Uh, fortunately, it is at home. But then, as Zach uh, foreshadowed, it's a three-game trip, starting with, are they 6-5 and five now, I, I want to say, Zach, the Houston Texans? Uh, then you're going... Uh, to L.A. to face Justin Herbert and the Chargers for the first time in the Sean Payton era. Then you're crossing half the continent to go play the Detroit Lions in their house, which okay. they're just playing insane football. Yeah. Uh, then you come home and you you get a little bit of an easement in the sense that it's the Patriots and then the Chargers at home. And then you're on the road versus the Raiders where Sean Payton, regardless of what happens in between, Sean Payton will get a chance to kind of start balancing the scales here because the Raiders, what is it? Seven. I want to say now in a row that they've won over the Broncos. So that's the road ahead. And Zach, to your point about, you know, the, the critical things that need to change. Most of it's offensive, you know, the efficiency aspect on third down. I mean, they have been decent on third down in the three preceding victories. They were, they were decent. I mean, they've been moving up as we do those head to heads every Thursday night, the statistical comparisons we've seen in, in, uh, you know, real time, basically the Broncos climbing the third down rankings, but last, uh, last night, uh, Sunday night, terrible, terrible red zone, as you mentioned, terrible, and just really being able to, um, not be so one dimensional because yeah. until teams have a reason to, they're just going to keep stuffing your model, uh, in the, in the, uh, by just filling the box full of dudes, it's going to be, uh, out of control until you can make them pay Zach. Yeah, I mean, you can't, you have to finish drives off in the red zone, but you can't finish drives in the red zone if you don't get to the red zone because the drives are stalling on third down. They have to be better and they have to convert more. And like you were talking about, not just run the ball every first down and, and not just give the appearance of a pass on third down. Sean Payton bears the brunt of responsibility because he's the architect of it all and he's the chief play caller. So that part, is not sustainable. But also, Chad, on defense, it's not just all roses and sunshine. All the teams that you mentioned left on the schedule, the one thing they do well is run the football. And the one thing the Broncos defense has not done well, even during the winning streak, is stop the run, especially yesterday with Madison and Ty Chandler going off. They have to tighten that up, and then they'll be, I think, almost on an elite level, considering how they're playing against the pass.
That's right. Um, okay, let me jump back into the chat here. We grab we grab Troy. We've uh let's say hi to Michaela. What's going on, Michaela? So good to see you. Don't know what the super sticker says as it as it stands, but thank you. Give our best to the little man. Hope everyone's doing well. The Ronk is in the house representing. Yes, it is a aftermath episode technically, but I did title it around a gut reaction because it was a big uh big piece of news today that could affect things because again that that injury Caden Stearns it's kind of crazy Zach how much that injury could end up <clears throat> pardon me really uh, impacting the ultimate destiny and outcome of this season at least defensively because man Justin Simmons he can do a lot he can raise a lot of ships you know he can be a tide that does that but you need somebody who's not a straight liability and one of the big issues that we're seeing is Look, Delarian uh, Turner, yell. He can play football. He's physical. He's in the NFL for a reason. Same with J.L. Skinner, the rookie sixth rounder out of Boise State. The the big key here, and we saw this as a talking point, Zach, from Justin Simmons himself. In fact, as the Broncos' defense started turning around a couple weeks ago, communication. Guys understanding not only the scheme but their role within and how to communicate. And those young guys, that's where they often get into trouble, and it's. You can see it with the miscues, right? The blown coverages. I'm thinking specifically to that one touchdown off the top of my head in Buffalo to the tight end. Um, you know, stuff like that starts happening when it's not either Locke or Jackson complimenting Justin Simmons on the back end. It's so weird, the the Jekyll and Hyde nature of the season and how the butterfly effect can truly take hold. It's a great point you made about Caden uh, Stearns leading to P.J. Locke, which has led back to Kareem Jackson, but also in a positive way, uh, Kwan Williams. No one has mentioned him, but he was a great, excellent slot corner for the Broncos in recent seasons. Hasn't played this year because of a foot. Well, they started off with a saying Bassey in that role, who was uh, like Damari Mathis level bad at times. But then they went to Jaquan McMillan or McMillian, whatever he wants to go by nowadays. But over his last five games, since he's been inserted as the starter, uh, Jaquan has two interceptions, two fumble recoveries, a forced fumble, three pass breakups, and five tackles for loss. He is an absolute dog, Chad. Yes, absolutely. I love it. Um, it's been really cool to see. And uh, there's something special the Broncos have in this kid. Uh, we have jumping in Zeus McPeak. What's going on, Stu? So good to see you, my friend. The first face. You know I got to say this every time. The first face etched on the MHH. Mount Rushmore is this guy right here. Appreciate you. He says, hi, all. What a crazy game last night with an unbelievable finish. The atmosphere was amazing. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, it feels like uh, that. the comment earlier about Super Bowl 50, like the intensity, the excitement, just the, the whole juju surrounding the Broncos, man. It feels good. And it also feels good, Zach, to know that our belief and trust and faith in Sean Payton, even in the face of some, uh, you know, contravening evidence early this season was well-founded. In hindsight, I kind of wish we had the meet and greet uh, last night. That would have been amazing. Can you imagine? Oh, dude. Um, the stadium was electric chat and I actually read from someone who was at the game that the stands were shaking. I mean, like the old days on that fourth down when they forced the incompletion, I went back and watched the highlights and sure enough, that place was rocking and rolling. I'm so happy for Broncos country chat to have something to cheer about again and cheer to that level. 
No doubt about it. Guys, we got a lot more to get to. Thank you again, Stu. A lot more to get to. But first, really quick, with Thanksgiving coming up this week, are you ready to spice things up is the question. As we all dive headfirst into the mountains of mashed potatoes and cranberry sauce, we got to talk about the unsung hero of the holiday season, and that is the Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. That's right. It is time, gang, to go cold turkey on your old razor and take care of yourself uh, below the belt. Let's put it that way. Visit manscaped.com. Use our code HUDDLE for 20% off plus free shipping and enjoy Thanksgiving in style with the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Gobble, gobble, guys. And I stress this uh, uh, quite heavily. If you guys are going to be getting together with family and friends for Thanksgiving on Thursday or this week, this weekend, what have you, you want to look good upstairs. You want to look good if you're going to be with, you know, your your partner, your wife, whatever, whoever, your girlfriend, you want to look good downstairs too. I cannot recommend the lawnmower enough. And also all of Manscaped's products, Chad, because they have no muss, no fuss, no nicks, no scrapes, nothing bad, all positive Manscaped. That's right. Uh, if you want to make sure there are no uh, butts, cuts, or coconuts yourself, get 20% off and free shipping with the code HUDDLE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code HUDDLE. There are tons of different products. They all are awesome and very high quality and very, uh, I don't want to say cheap because that makes it sound cheap, but very inexpensive relative to the competition. So be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from manscaped.com. Your boys downstairs will thank you. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com slash prenatal. All right, Zach, um, want to dive back into the chat with Gina Cooper. So good to see you, Gina. Hope you're doing well. She says, good evening, guys, and the rest of the MHH community. Gotta say, sadly, not surprised with the Kareem news, but disappointed with the NFL officiating no call, meaning there was no penalty. Uh, no nothing during the game, except today using our guy KJ as a scapegoat, which just sucks. Zach, I just want to read a snippet here to piggyback off of Gina. Uh, her point of what the vice president <clears throat> of football operations at the NFL front office, John Runyon, wrote in his letter to Jackson today, informing him of the suspension quote, uh, with 1338 remaining in the first quarter, you were involved in a play that the league considers a serious violation of the playing rules. The video of the play shows that you lowered your head and made forcible contact to Vikings quarterback, Josh Dobbs. You had an unobstructed path to your opponent and the illegal contact could have been avoided. Illegal acts that are flagrant and jeopardize the safety of players will not be tolerated. The league will continue to stress enforcement of the rules so long as it's Kareem violating them. Uh, prohibiting the using of your helmet to make forcible contact with your opponent. Last thing, on the playing question, you lowered your head and delivered a forceful blow to the shoulder and head-slash-neck area of an opponent when you had the time and space to avoid such contact. You could have made contact with your opponent within the rules, yet you chose not to. So Justin Simmons' point here, Zach, that what are we supposed to do in these critical third and one situations 
when a quarterback is basically not no longer a defenseless guy in the pocket, right? Those rules are are slightly different, and they're a lot more, uh, you know, the details are a little bit more fine. In this case, he's running on a pitch, literally as a running back. Basically, it's a short to go on the money down. What's Kareem supposed to do? For example, Zach, it, does he just? Oh, I don't want to get suspended, so he pulls up, and then Josh gets the the first down, etc. Now, in this case, there was the forced fumble, so that is a little bit moot. But then people start maybe complaining about Jackson being soft, or obviously the suspension got to him, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If you are Kareem Jackson, I know this isn't something that we perfectly share a brain on with Mr. Producer Scott, but I really do. Uh, I don't envy. Kareem Jackson in those these moments where it's like, what are you supposed to do? Just let him get the first down. I mean, I'm not sure it would have been as effective to try and use a shoulder, for example, in that same scenario. I think either way, contact with Dobbs's head was going to be made because of he had lowered his head, right? He was he had lowered his head. What are you supposed to do? I mean, your job is to stop their forward progress. Rock in a hard place. I mean, it's it's so tough to alter your play style after so many years of the in the NFL and being successful in the, in the NFL. I might add, but if that's the only way he's going to stay on the field and stay off suspension and help the Broncos defense win games, well, that's what he has to do. I mean, like it or not, I it's similar to if there's a just a, a nondescript black Volkswagen Beetle that goes past a cop ten miles an hour over. And there's a difference if a red Mustang goes 10 miles an hour over past that same cop. One just, you know, I can speak for that firsthand, Chad. One just catches, uh, <laughs> you know, the eye better than others. And, you know, you you have that arrow on you. You have that hanging over your head. And unfortunately, that's the reputation that Kareem Jackson has. Though I will say, the more the NFL singles him out and the more the NFL scapegoats Kareem, that is what's creating his reputation, not necessarily his play. Because all the national media now and those in the NFL office are focusing like their box score watching Kareem Jackson's hits. And they're like you said, he's not Vontae's perfect, but they're comparing him in the same breath because all they're focusing on are the illegal hits. They should stop. They have to stop if he wants to play. But what's, what else is he going to do? I understand his point. I mean, I'll say this, though. So this is me trying to be as as um, you know, intellectually balanced on this. As possible, as I mentioned last night, guys, I was at a family uh, Thanksgiving get-together the first half and then traveled home to make it in time to uh, do the podcast. All right, so Broncos kick off, Vikings first possession, right? I'm sitting there on the couch. Many of you have met my, my – if you've been to the meet and greets anyway, you've met my, my father, Mark. And some of you have even met my brother, Derek. Three of us sitting right there watching this unfold amongst a party with people jibber jabber and talking. That's what you do in the family situations. All of a sudden, the hit and the ball goes flying, right? Uh, McMillan recovers. We go jumping up. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when it starts showing the replay, Zach, <clears throat> both my brother and I, we turn to each other and we're like, man, Kareem just does not care, man. Kareem is just going to Kareem. That's the way he is. Um, and so Scott's point is, you know, see what you hit. And that's what the NFL is trying to say, et cetera. But I just don't like that they're being this nitpicky on it because to Gina's point, he wasn't flagged, uh, et cetera. And the connotations that, you know, compare him to actual dirty players like Vontez Perfect. I mean, even like, look, we all love Aqib Tlaib and his four-year 
tenure as a Bronco, Zach, but like he was a significantly more dirty player than Kareem Jackson ever even thought about being. It's just that Kareem Jackson, uh, let's put it this way. There's a difference between being, let's say, uh, dirty and reckless. Reckless, that's that's a closer thing to, to I think, the, the Kareem sitch. Yeah, my problem is, again, is the selective enforcement of these hits and of these suspensions. And I haven't really read another player, maybe except going back to Burfitt. It's a really great analogy that you made, Chad, that's gotten this sort of uh, scrutiny and has been watched this closely. I'll make another analogy. It's like when you go through an airport, you can go through a hundred times, but you're going to get that random screening for no reason, at least one of those times. Well, it seems like every other player goes through the figurative airport and is fine, but every time Kareem Jackson goes through that airport, he is pulled to the side for a figurative screening. That's my issue with it. Yes. And I can't, I agree, you know, um, Phil, so good to see you, brother. One of the, our Mount Rushmore members of this community, most certainly. So consistent, helping us feel the love week in, week out. And uh, we really appreciate you helping us keep the lights on, Phil. He says, good evening, Chad Zach and Deacon Scott. It seems to me that Sean Payton is running a conservative offense, waiting for development from Russ and his receivers. Hopefully he will start to open up and get some deep throws before the end of the game. Hashtag Buckham, MHH for life, go Broncos. Well said, my friend. Um, yeah, it's a it's a little bit of a unique situation here because it was really easy for the armchair analyst, Zach, when Sean Payton was hired to Denver to start comparing Drew Brees and Russell Wilson. And it would have been compared no matter who the Broncos quarterback was because that's what you have to go on relative to Sean Payton and quarterbacks. But the height thing and, you know, having won a Super Bowl, all this all these similar uh, traits and career distinctions that those two quarterbacks share. But one thing that is a huge departure, a big gap between Drew Brees, even, I mean, especially, I should say, late career Drew Brees and current later career Russell Wilson, Zach, is Sean Payton never had to worry about Drew Brees uh, holding on to the ball as long as he, uh, as Russ does. And that really does affect the calculus as a play caller and it interrupts things. And I think that's where Phil's point comes into play, where Peyton's kind of erring on the side of, look, a lot of this is probably maybe uh, anyway, maybe a lot of this is Russ and his not just chemistry with his receivers, but the trust and all this, because a lot of times to stay on, on point and on timing as a quarterback, you hit that back foot in your drop and you release and you're throwing into the future. You don't see actual space per se Zach between your intended target and uh, any possible defenders that could get in the way and yet with very few exceptions that's really what Russ is doing he's holding on to the ball that one beat or two three four longer until he can see with his naked eye and his god-given depth perception that there is in fact actual separation I'm gonna go ahead and trust my arm on this one kaboom uh, so maybe if there is any truth to that, as far as Sean Payton's outlook on Russ and, and the receivers and whatnot, we can only hope that time on task bridges that gap sooner than later. I said it last night after the gut reaction, and that's as good of, of a mood as you'll see me in. And I still was reasonable and owned up to the fact that Russell Wilson's biggest flaw is still holding on to the ball and taking unnecessary sacks and taking unnecessary punishment in the pocket, not really stepping up to the guard level of the pocket, more so floating horizontally. I, I totally admit that. But when we talk about the Drew Brees comparisons, 
Breeze also had much better offensive line play overall during his tenure in New Orleans. So it's not necessarily apples to apples. If you gave uh, prime Sean Payton, Drew Brees offensive line play to Russell Wilson, I think they'd be even better because there's still a little bit of leakiness in pass protection. But when we talk about Russ being a game manager or being boring or being whittled down, my response is it just works. Just like the Tebow offense, as ugly as it was in 2011, marching to that playoff berth and win, I might add, it was ugly, but it just worked. And I have some numbers to back that up. Russell Wilson had a 106.7 passer rating against Minnesota. It was his seventh game this season, Chad, and third straight with a rating above 100. Russell Wilson has at least one touchdown pass in every game this year. He had four zero touchdown starts in 2022. So Russell Wilson also, by the way, the second most touchdown passes with 19 in the NFL. He had 16 all of last season. So again, it might be boring. It might not be what you want to see. It might not be prime classic Russ, but it just works. And guess what? The Broncos are winning. Well said, dude. Well said and well illustrated. I think too, you know, keep in mind, uh, recency bias plays a role our uh, expectations relative to Sean Payton's resume as a bombastic explosive play caller and all the scoring and yardage that the saints put up over those years, it all plays a role and it factors into uh, how we're reacting and analyzing what we're seeing in these games. But as much as we criticize Russ yesterday, let's just take the Vikings game, for example, where, you know, they, they did go two for 12 on third down. It's unacceptable. You're dang lucky you won that game. And in fact, if it weren't for the takeaways, you're not winning that game going two of 12 on third down. But he did connect on some plays well beyond uh, 15 yards uh, from the line of scrimmage. There were shots taken. Um, it just, for whatever reason, Zach, it's the, at least in this Vikings game, again, I'll keep it on, on week 11. It was the critical moments leading up to the final drive. So, accepting putting out on the side it was the critical moments third down is where the big failures came into play as far as russ just not being able to get anything going but here's something he said and then i'm going to serve this back to you at the podium last night after the game uh as far as as um uh well I, maybe i should read the quote i'll i'll circle back on that but with russ i guess what i'm trying to say here is um i'll just paraphrase it Russ said, look, the third down struggles because that got brought up to him, right? You guys only went two of uh, 12. I think it's 17%. I can't remember the exact number. But what? how do you explain that? How do you improve? Blah, blah, blah. And he said, well, and it sounds cliche, but remember, the thing about cliches, Zach, is they're cliches because they are true. He said, well, I think for us, the key to succeeding on third down is succeeding on first and second down. And if you go back and look at it, way too many third and longs in that particular game way too many. So that does devolve back onto the run game execution and Sean Payton's kind of creativity and, and rhythm as a play caller a little bit. I'm so glad you brought that up. I'm so glad that he said that because it's a point that we hammered on this podcast going into the Kansas City game, coming out of that game, going into the Buffalo game, coming out of that game. The Broncos have been winning and they won in spite of it yesterday because it hasn't been second and 10, third and nine. It's been second and two and third and three, third and manageable. That's how you keep drives alive. That's how you find the end zone paint. 
So they definitely have to improve on third down. They have to score touchdowns and not field goals because the competition is only going to get more difficult. I do want to make one more point about this. Uh, good lucking in the uh, in the chat says it actually is classic rust. What I meant by that is you might not see the yardage total uh, come to the level of classic Russ. And in 2022 or 2020, he threw for 4,200 yards, 2019, he threw for 4,100 yards. He only has 2000 right now. So the yardage might not be what we saw three, four years ago, but the efficiency is there. And if they just clean up the red zone, clean up third down and become a little more productive in those money areas, they're going to be pretty hard to beat in December. Indeed. Well said Uh, guys. Lots more to get to as far as your chat. We are going to probably keep this evening's live stream a little bit tighter. So if you do have a burning topic, uh, get it in the chat, a question, get it in the chat now, and we will do our best to get to it. But listen, real quick, guys, uh, before we get back to the chat, this holiday season, you might be looking for a nutritious, convenient meal to keep you energized on the jam-packed days, busy juggling everything relative to the Thanksgiving holiday. Factor, which is America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you fuel up fast, whether it's breakfast, lunch, dinner, with, get this, chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, you eat well, stay on track with your healthy lifestyle, and that's all while tackling your holiday to-dos. And I'll tell you something. This is a service and uh, uh, that has really, for my family, this is the honest to goodness truth, become a way of life. It's interesting that we have Factor as a sponsor because uh, the Jensen family has been using Factor for months and months. In fact, I might check with my wife. It might be a year or more we've been using it. And it just comes in handy because one of the big things that uh, you know clips our wings when you're juggling uh, uh, as many children and activities and different things that we do as a family is the meal plan, uh, the meal prep and the meal planning, right? Some people, Zach, they can set their clock to how they're going to cook dinner and what they're going to have each day of the week leading up. I don't know about you guys, but my family, we've never been that way. And with factor, you just go in ahead of time. You can set it up a lot of different ways to where you can either specifically, here's what I want this day, this day, this day. And it just shows up to your door. It's there. You prepare it. It's got a recipe. You follow it. It's easy to do. And the meals are delicious. The produce, the quality, it's all really, really, really cool and convenient. And I cannot recommend it enough. So head to factormeals.com slash huddle 50. All right. That's factormeals.com slash huddle 50 and use code huddle 50 to get 50% off. That code huddle50 at factormills.com slash huddle50 to get 50% off. Guys, the other last thing benefit to using a service like Factor is you know, you run to the grocery store because you're going to cook something on the fly tonight. Turns out you're out of butter or you need milk. What are the odds that you're going into that grocery store having spent just whatever you were going to spend on milk? slim if you're like most people you're going to go in there on your way to the very back where they keep this stuff you're going to oh i need that i need that before you know it you left there having spent 150 bucks that you didn't necessarily need to we found as a family that's another big benefit of factor so once again factormills.com slash huddle 50 and once you're there you use the code 50 to get that 50 percent off all right back to the chat um Zach, I want to just take a look here uh, at Phil's comment. He says, guys, sooner or later, turnovers have to result in touchdowns 
not field goals. You know, that was one of the big deciding factors uh, in the Chiefs victory was the fact that they capitalized yes. with touchdowns on those uh, on several of those uh, turnovers. And if you're in a close game where points are at a premium, you don't want to rely on the leg of Will Lutz. As clutch as he's been and as he was last night, Chad, it's not sustainable to play not to lose and and settle for three and not go for six. So, Phil, a thousand million billion percent yes. If they f- keep forcing the takeaways, which I don't see why they wouldn't, they seem to just have that mentality and mindset now. When the offense gets the ball back, they can't go three and out. They can't punt it away. They can't even really just settle for a field goal. You've got to punch the ball in the end zone. Um, I want to grab this real quick from Leroy on Facebook. Good to see you, my friend. He says, the way you hide your flaws on the offensive line, which the Broncos, there's the O-line, Zach, it giveth and it taketh away. I've been mostly impressed by Garrett Bowles this season. I think he's been more than solid. I've been impressed by Ben Powers, maybe not to the level I expected when they signed him and the money he got, but Lloyd Cushenberry has absolutely given you his best play so far. Quinn Miners, enough said. He's been Pro Bowl-level player for you. McGlinchey, starting to kind of get his feet back underneath him, but uh, the point here that Leroy is trying to make is to hide some of the flaws, two-step, <clears throat> pardon me, two-step, three-step drops and screens. Also, Peyton's got to throw the ball yes. a little more on first and yeah. second down, shake it up a bit. It seems like on that last point, Zach, that what what which game was it? Was it the first Chiefs game, the loss, where he came up to the podium after and said, I got impatient and I abandoned the run when we were trying to play catch-up, even though it wasn't a huge margin I want to say it was a two score, maybe one and a half score. Well, two score. Uh, if it's one and a half, it's two. Uh, two score margin when they just throw, throw, throw. So you got to balance it. But Zach, there's also a point to not being so predictable on first right. and second down. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you you could stick to your identity and you can establish what you want to do, which is running the football. The Broncos have three really good running backs, but you can't pin yourself into a corner either because the defense is going to catch on eventually and stack the box and make Russell Wilson beat you through the air. So Leroy, you're right. It's a way to offset the pass rush, but they have to open up the playbook to a little more beyond just a dump off in the flat or a little crosser over the middle. Take some shots down the field provided Russell Wilson has the protection. I mean, get Mims involved down the field. Get Jerry Judy involved down the field, not 5, 10 yards, but 20, 25 yards. At least give the appearance of a deep passing game, Chad. will actually make the running game more effective. You know what kind of surprised me a little bit about the uh, Vikings game is Sean Payton being the guy he is who's so good at exploiting not just the weaknesses of an opposing defense, but making that defense's strengths play to your offense. And it sounds counterintuitive, but we know we knew going in and we heard all about it. We saw it with our own eyes that Brian Flores, the Vikings defensive coordinator, is the blitz god right now. And he just loves throwing numbers at uh, quarterbacks, both run and pass blitzes, like going crazy. What what are some of the neutralizing means in the face of such attacks? Well, draws, screens. I don't remember seeing too many draws last night, Zach. I don't remember seeing too many screens, although it was late in the game. They did exploit it in a similar sense as a screen, they did exploit that aggressive pass rush and blitz with those dump offs to P right. Right. Uh, it was suck them in and then boom, find them around, you know, around the side, got it. And off he goes. But 
I found that curious. And I wonder if it's because Sean, this is going to sound janky here, but if Sean anticipated Flores anticipating him Mm. doing screens and doing draws or whatever, I don't know, but I did expect to see a higher rate of them last night. Yeah, footballception for sure. You know, I was always taught though, Chad, all these years, the best way to beat the blitz to negate it is to run right at it. So whether it's a draw or uh, whatever, quick hitters or or quick little running plays like the Broncos did is the way to go. And also, I feel like because Brian Flores runs so much cover zero, blitz blitzes so much. I don't know that Sean Payton entirely trusts Russell Wilson to continually hold up through every single blitz. I think he was maybe a little afraid of Russell Wilson making a mistake, fumbling, throwing a pick. So you negate that by high percentage dump offs to the running back. It didn't work for the first three quarters, but that offense and especially Samaje Piran, they come to life in the fourth. I mean, there were uh, there were a couple of memory serves. I'm trying to I haven't rewatched the game yet, but. I can't remember if they were dump offs or actual design screens to Jalil McLaughlin that I don't know. It's really, it's really bizarre. Zach, poor Jalil, you know, he's, he's a guy that you need to, you need to have some space for him to really do what he does. But that's why you saw him make those big plays early this season when defenses still didn't really know what to expect from this offense. They were playing the Broncos quite uh, more, you know, a lot more straight up, let's just say. And ever since they've been crowding the line of scrimmage and just stacking the box, he has been a non-factor for the Broncos. Well, here's the thing. I, I don't think that P. Ryan has been the intended read on these dump-off plays. What makes P. Ryan so valuable is he's a hammer in pass protection. And as much as we like McLaughlin, he just doesn't have the size to hold up uh, like P. Ryan does. So after he does his job in pass pro, he kind of leaks out of the backfield uh, into the middle of the field or into the flat, and, and Russell Wilson gets him the ball. He's been incredibly clutch the last couple weeks. Um, I want to grab this from Todd. We'll probably take one or two more guys unless there's anything burning on your mind, then we'll dip on out of here. But Todd uh, is responding to something uh, from Mile High Mike in the chat earlier tonight saying, Sean Payton simplified the offense for Russ so that he can run high percentage plays and rely more on running than on Russ, which limits explosive plays. Do you buy, Zach, the notion that Sean Payton had to simplify his offense. And if so, just kind of explain that. I mean, he admitted it. He said, if we have to go to the wristband, we're going to go to the wristband. And sure enough, Russell Wilson was rocking a wristband the next week. There's nothing wrong with simplifying a playbook and cutting it down from a cheesecake factory menu. Vance Joseph, Chad, did the same thing, and he admitted that. And the defense has been a lot better once they made it easier to digest and they kept it simple, stupid. It's not rocket science. It's football. And you want your players knowing the assignments and executing them as best as they can. If that means making things a little more palatable and then you're going to do that. That to me is a sign of good coaching being inflexible and, and not choosing to uh, pare down a playbook or go against the green. That to me is bad coaching. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, by the way, well, let me grab this from mile high Mike. I think this was the uh, genesis of Todd's uh, eventual comment that we just read, but Mike's saying, can they run the bootleg and get Wilson out of the pocket so he can see over the line and not get sacked in the pocket? I think this is this is a really good point because it's been a very under youth. I mean, the Broncos are, have won four in a row. Great. 
And yet this aspect of how they could destroy opponents has been vastly underutilized, right? This was a classic go-to uh, in the old Shanahan days in, in the Mile High City, whether it was John Elway, I mean, even Brian Greasy, who wasn't very athletic, wasn't the best at running these particular plays, but all the way up to Jake Plummer, Jake Cutler. But why aren't we seeing that, you think, Zach? The, the boots where you get Wilson designed. We're seeing play action, but we're not seeing these uh, bootlegs that literally are designed to get Wilson out of the pocket immediately so that he has free reign to, to see the field and uh, unload and do his thing. I was surprised that Russ didn't run a little more because it seemed like he's had the green light to take off under Sean Payton. But that's it. it your question is a point that I made a few minutes ago in, in the sense that I don't think that Sean necessarily a hundred percent of the time trusts Russell Wilson to play backyard football and not make a mistake. I mean, the 2022 film, as much as Nathaniel Hackett was the problem, Russell Wilson wasn't blameless either. He made, he made a lot of careless errors with the football and also some of this season as well. But the other point too, I've noticed when the pressure is coming, I wish Russ, instead of going left and right horizontally, if he would just step up a little bit in the pocket, climb the pocket, climb to the guard level, that he would have a much easier time finding a player crossing over the field or crossing downfield instead of going um, on a bootleg. I just don't think that Sean wants to risk it, Chad, if that makes if that makes sense. This is a really good point. Another one uh, that's worth talking about. So thank you for bringing up the fact that Russ it seems to like have an aversion to climbing the pocket, right? He seems to have an aversion, almost like he's allergic to it. And uh, yeah, it's it's definitely part of the problem here. And I think it does have more to do with his height and vision, seeing the field, than it does, you know, being skittish or seeing ghosts. Patrick, bro, aloha right back at you. And yes, indeed, five and five never felt so good. And by the way, uh, Zach was bragging and and singing your praises at the MHH meet and greet, talking about that sweet, sweet uh, Java. So uh, you're, you're developing a little bit of a reputation around MHH, Patrick. I will repeat it like I've you know said to Pat in you know private offline conversations. I am a coffee snob, Chad, to the nth degree. I've tried hundreds. I like about one other brand, maybe. And this Lion Coffee that Patrick provides, it is spectacular. Go look it up. Go get you some, guys. If you're a coffee drinker, you like a full-throated taste, Lion Coffee is the way to go. All right. I want to say hello to a couple of uh, longtime members of our community that I haven't seen in the chat for a minute. So, R. Butler, good to see you. Hello right back at you. Happy to see you back in the saddle with us. And then Dennis Woods. Let me see if, if the old noggin is still holding on uh, to the correct information. I want to say Michigan, right? Up in Michigan. Look, rocking the dad hat like a boss. Dennis, you, you've you been with us for a long time, but Zach, correct me if I'm wrong. It's been a minute since we've seen Dennis in the in the house. So. so welcome back, bro. His comment is, uh, you make the same play without lowering your head, going back to the Kareem thing, and leading with the crown of your helmet. Hit him forcefully, but with your head up and wrap him. So to the notion... What else is he supposed to do, which is kind of what Justin Simmons' argument is. He's saying, well, this is what you're supposed to do. But, Dennis, you're right, but that's an ideal world on every single down, every single play, and, and rarely, if ever, is the NFL ever ideal. 
It's kind of like offensive line play, Chad. What do they say? There's holding on every play, but it's only called sporadically. I mean, again, the selective enforcement and punishment of Kareem Jackson is my problem. There's hits that happen every Sunday that are comparable to what KJ does, and those players don't get flagged. It seems like he has a bullseye on him, maybe because he plays for the Broncos, maybe not, but either way, that's what bothers me about it. All right, last one, guys. Uh, the Ronk, really appreciate you. He says, great show tonight, Chad and Zach, on the Mile High Huddle podcast, Aftermath, Go Broncos. Thank you for your support, Mike, and your enthusiasm and your knowledge and passion and everything you bring to the conversation every single night. Love you. Guys, we got a couple quick messages before you dip on out, so hang tight for a minute. Another tremendous installment of the Mile High Huddle podcast. If you're not doing so, uh, please follow us on Twitter slash X at the MHH pod. You can follow the main account at Mile High Huddle, Chad at Chad and Jensen, myself at Kelberman NFL and Scott, our producer at Scout Kennedy. If you guys want some MHH merchandise, you know where to find it. But just in case, check out MHHmerch.com and get your swag on. If you haven't, drop us a like at Facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle Pod. Also find us on IG at Mile underscore high underscore huddle. And make sure you're leaving your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some of that merch each and every single month. But if anything, guys and gals, ladies and gentlemen, please. Subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. It really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. And no, uh, K-Jack is not becoming uh, our Vontez Burfecht because Vontez was truly a dirty player that was actually trying to hurt people, you know, uh, actually trying to injure and cost people and teams. So I don't think you can compare the two. I mean, again, K-Jack, I think the worst thing you can say is that he's reckless. But I echo Zach uh, in terms of connecting with us and reminding everybody how important it is. Even if you're in the chat every night, you don't listen on demand. If you're an Apple user, take a few seconds and go leave us that five-star review because yeah. it does help us out tremendously in terms of actually reaching uh, new Broncos fans and bringing them into the live chat community and, and continuing to grow uh, this thing. So don't forget to do that. We really appreciate it. Shout out to these great super chat superstars and supporters on Facebook tonight. The Papa Bear, David McElrath, Sam Bam, Troy, Michaela Israel, Zeus McPeak, uh, Gina Cooper, Phil McLaughlin, and The Ronk. Michael Ronquillo, much love and respect. We will see you, Zach and I, Thursday night. Don't forget tomorrow, it's Tuesday, and we're in the season. So Broncos for breakfast, followed by building the Broncos, and then, of course, Mile High Insiders Wednesday night. Can't wait to see you again Thursday. Have a great start to your week. We'll see you then. Take care, and as always, go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.